Hello, it's Debbie McGee and I have spilled so much tea in the first series of Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee, I'm going to spill some more. That's with my show business friends with stories from their life in show business. The ups, the downs, oh, and the very funny. So join me for series two. Spill the Tea podcast with Debbie McGee. Well, here I go again with some more Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. And uh, this time I'm spilling the tea with somebody who's, oh, I don't know, so bubbly, so lovely, so natural, so talented. And you're really going to enjoy this. So who is my guest? It's Suzanne Shaw. Hearsay. She won Dancing on Ice. You name it, she's done it. The tea. Um, she shot to fame at 20 years old um, in the band Hearsay, and it's Suzanne Shaw. So, hi, Suzanne. Hello. Really great to see your smiling face on my screen. Um, so, uh, we, you know, obviously, we all know you from Hearsay and from a million other jobs that you've done now. And, um, but when you were a little girl, what, what did you dream of being? What did you want to become? Um, all I ever wanted to do was be on stage or on TV. I never wanted to do anything else. I started dancing at the age of two and a half, started ballet classes. Um, literally, it was my mum had to get me out of nappies so she could get me into dance classes. And so at two and a half, once I was out of nappies, she put me into ballet classes. Um, and it just grew from there. That's all I did was dedicate my, my time to singing, dancing and acting. Mm. And I just loved it. I never thought I would ever do anything else. I never had any other options. I just, I remember at the age of three, four years old, um, saying to my grandparents, one day I'm gonna be in Hollywood, yet <laughs> to do that, yet to, get <laughs> to do that dream. But um, yeah, I just never thought I would ever do anything else. My hobby became my job and I'm really lucky that that happened. Mm. Yeah, well, I know. And that's what's so lovely, isn't it? That you get you all your dreams that you had as a kid, but not yeah. all of them, but you're doing lots of them. So and a part of that must have been when you were on Pop Stars, the yeah. competition, which then from that you joined Hearsay. What, what was that? What can you remember about it? What was it like? I remember at the time I was auditioning for quite a few different things. And um, I had an agent and I'd worked professionally in the industry from being nine years old. So I'd already done a musical, um, I'd done a TV series. Um, and so I was always auditioning, that was my thing. And then my my side job, apart from being in college, mm. uh, my weekend job was being in an ABBA tribute band. So I remember trying to fit in all the auditions around my college, my ABBA tribute band and, um, and so, yeah, when I saw this audition in the stage, hmm. um, I thought, oh, you know, I'll go for this. Although I've got to say, my friend pushed me to do it because she needed a lift and I could drive. <laughs> she, she didn't have a car, I did. Um, so I just remember at the time, not 100% wanting to go for it, but knowing that it was an audition there mm. because I was so busy with my other auditions in acting and musical theater. I never thought I would ever become a pop star. It wasn't really on the cards, <laughs> what I thought was. I mean, the thought of it was amazing, but never really what I was going for. Mm. So going for the audition was a little bit crazy. My friend kind of 
pushed me into doing it because she wanted to go and I could drive and you know easily mm -hmm. led into it because I you know I was happy to just audition for all sorts of different things um but I remember at the time I had to drop my nan off at Berry Market before and that was at like seven o'clock in the morning as soon as the market was up and running she wanted to be dropped off so I dropped her off first went to pick my friend up then went and queued um and it must have been it was quite dark outside still and I remember it being quite dark so it must have been fairly early doors in the morning mm. um so we were queuing for ages we finally went through um and I didn't expect I didn't know what was going to happen and then they kept me on to go into the next round and I just kept thinking in the back of my head I need to pick my nan up from Berry Market. <laughs> I just kept thinking, oh my God, she's left there. <laughs> I didn't have a mobile phone at that time. Mm. So went to the phone box on a break and um, called my uncle to say, can you pick my nan up from Berry Market? I'm stuck here. Because, oh, what I didn't tell you is that um, the car that I had was inherited because my granddad left it to me in his will when he passed mm. away. But at the time it was under the provision that I would take my nan everywhere. So I was fully responsible for my nan being at Berry Market. So I had to ring my uncle, can you do me a favor? Can you pick her up? I've got through to the next round. He's like the next round of what? I said, it's a long story. My friend, I've gone to an audition with her. Anyway, um, yeah, so I got through to the next round and then I got through to the round after and I had a break. So I drove to my nan's to see if she got back okay. She had, learned a little bit of a song, then drove, drove back to Granada Studios in Manchester, did that. And then they were like, yeah, you can come through to the next round in Birmingham. So yeah, I was just, it was all a real whirlwind. I never thought I would get as far as I did. So much so when Nigel Lithgow said, five people will move to London whether that be five girls, five boys, a mixture of both. Mm. They'll be in this band, they'll move in a house in London, they'll have a million pound record deal and they'll become pop stars. And I just remember thinking what five lucky people this is gonna be awesome for them. Never put myself within that five. Mm. It was just, yeah, it was bizarre. And also because what people probably who are a bit younger or even, you know, me, you forget actually pop stars was before Pop Idol and all of those, you know, it was the first Nigel Lithgow came up with the concept. And uh, yeah, so and also people who are not in the record industry don't realise that when bands are formed like that, they then do, you know, rent a apartment for you don't they you yeah. have cars pick you up so you shot from being somebody who had worked and done lots of you know bits of work to suddenly yeah this really you know superstar lifestyle yeah it was overnight fame um it was funny because the concept of pop stars has never actually been done before it turned into a very different concept after it so it was a very individual show it was all it was a documentary about putting a band together we didn't have a voting system there was no live performances thank god because i don't think i'd cope through the live on that <laughs> kind of level it was all done raw but with cameras in our faces and it was the judges that chose this band and moved them into london and made their wildest dreams come true um but also we when we moved to london we didn't know whether the tv show was going to be a hit so if it wasn't a hit we were packing our bags and going back to our ordinary lives so moving these five unlikely people putting them together putting them into a mansion in london and then you know the gamble was if it works they get to stay here a bit longer and uh and get a record deal if it doesn't they're going to be packing the bags and moving back mm. to their two up two down <laughs> where yeah. they live. um so 
we didn't know how successful the TV show was going to be. They had a sense that it was going to be good because it was done in Australia before and it was a hit there. Um, but they didn't know how big it was going to be. But yeah, it was huge, obviously. And then from there, it was never returning back home. And I've stayed in London since. <laughs> and so how long were you living in the mansion? In the mansion, we moved in in um, October 2000. And then we, our hit single uh, was in the March 2001. So we are 20 years, probably dead around this date now. Yeah. Um, that we had our hit single. And, um, and then we moved out a couple of months later. Then we had, you know, our money to get our own places, basically. Mm. So we were there for about eight, nine months, I'd say, all in all. Um, yeah, but it was it was strange because when we packed up and left, it was a TV studio, really. Yeah, as it was. I mean, we had films all over the the windows for the you know, so the, the lights were all set up inside, cameras everywhere. It wasn't really a home; it was a TV studio we lived in. Um, but it was. But then then you have to go to reality and go, what can I afford? Mm. I can barely afford anything in London. Um, but yeah, it was it was crazy. So I get, then got a flatmate, um, you know, a friend of mine from Berry wanted to find her destiny in London. So we just moved into a flat together so we could afford it. And so then, you know, hearsay, you know, you had this enormous burst, didn't you? And I would have thought it was quite hard work with all the rehearsing and personal appearances and things like that. But you were probably young and in a whirl and just loving every minute, I would imagine. Yeah, it was a whirlwind. I remember surviving off very little sleep. Luckily, I was only young at the time, yeah. so I could. Um, but I, yeah, I remember it being tough and hard and a little bit of a whirlwind. Um, I really don't think anybody knew what to do. You know, it was a first for everyone, the record label, the TV industry, um, even the media. Mm. And then we had us who didn't know one how to deal with fame. Um, oh, literally overnight. Normally, a band would have this progression of of uh, a development period before putting them into the limelight. But we would just—it was just happened overnight. So we just did everything and literally did everything. And we were on. We were recording our second album whilst being on tour, and our first album was still in the charts. It was crazy. Mm. So much was happening. It was like, quick, let's fit it all in now before it ends, <laughs> which they did. But we were burnt out and exhausted in the end. And I feel like, you know, it doesn't work like that anymore. It, you, know, you have to have some self-care. Yeah. But we were really burnt out and we were young. We moved away from our families and it was tough. It was, mm. it was from this little girl who wanted to sing, dance and act. And that's all I wanted to do to actually, this is you're dealing with fame now and as much as you think you knew it was a, a part of mm. the gig but at the same time it was um you don't know what you're buying into you really don't yeah. and it was the fame that we had to deal with more than the singing dancing and acting that was that was a fraction of it the performance was probably 10 percent of what we had to deal with so that I wasn't trained for and that I didn't know how to handle and you had to learn along the way in the hard way as well within the papers <laughs> uh, yes that was tough. <laughs> <laughs> but you've survived yeah and of survived course once 
once that all finished, you carried on in show business and yeah. you now had this name and, you know, you've done so many things um, and loads of musicals. And, you know, I'd, of course, I know you so well and I know your beautiful singing voice. And um, when people, because when they know you've worked with somebody, they always say, what, what are they like? The thing I think about you is, you, you know, a room, when you come in a room, Suzanne, the light goes on and you're so bubbly. You're, and when you smile, your face just lights up. And you're so full of energy um, that, you know, I know that you'll never stop because I can remember when we did Panto and we were sharing a dressing room, you know, you had, you've got two children now and Raph was just a tiny baby then. And you were coming in to do two shows with Raph over your shoulder and a bottle and a this, that and the other. And, and then putting, you know, the other hand was putting your makeup on in like two seconds. It'd take me an hour, but you were there. And then you said, oh, and I've sorted this project out and anything that was being organized, the evenings that we did. And the, do you remember we had the awards evening and you'd done it all. You've got the scrolls written up. You uh -huh. juggle like 12 balls in the air. And so, uh, you know, and of course, loved you on Dancing on Ice. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just quickly going through a few things that you've done. You know, you were in Emmerdale, played the lead in Chicago. Was it Rocky Horror was another one you've done? Yeah, Rocky Horror Show. Yeah, just so, so many different things. And you do forget, you know, sometimes I, I have to pause and look back and go, yeah, do you know what, I've done a lot. And yeah. um, you, you're right. I mean, I think now looking back, what you've just said hearsay probably set me up for good training on how to juggle so many things mm -hmm. and live you know off very little sleep because it was non-stop and so therefore when I came out of hearsay I wanted to continue that non-stop but I do have to say I, the older I'm getting the more I have to pause and go I can't take it all on it's a lot you know because you burn yourself out and so like after panto I'm like I need a month off <laughs> Burn the candle at both ends. That was one of my favourite pantos I've ever done. Oh, yeah, me too. So much fun. Um, it was with Paul Sinha from The Chase, wasn't it? You know, Fraser Hines. And yeah. yeah, it was such a lovely cast. And I think we were all so incredibly grateful to be there and to be with each other, weren't we? It was yeah, we were. such a nice time. Um, but York yeah. was such a beautiful place to be as well, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, I remember we had a mad New Year's Eve. <laughs> I remember just really hoping we um we didn't have to go on for New Year's Day because I was worse for wear on New Year's Day. <laughs> I'll never forget the line the, the, the amount of water you had lined up for me. <laughs> when I came into the dressing room because I was I was literally like well, it was a big one. It was a big old night, that's for sure. And then of course during lockdown that whole scene of uh, having a nice little gin and tonic or whatever has completely gone and you've almost reinvented yourself yeah I again I think you know <laughs> me very well I'm all or nothing <laughs> and um I think yeah it took its toll on me I as much as I you know I am bubbly I am smiley and I come in you know full guns mm. blazing into into a job um I've had my struggles and I I knew that drinking and burning the candle was only going to go one way and that wasn't mm. going to be a good way and I needed to um, to work some things out to sort a few little bits and pieces and a, a big part of that was changing my lifestyle. 
mm. and I just wanted to be well. I and the, and the younger I was getting, the, the less I could deal with the drink. Yeah, and just feel like you know it wasn't working well with me, um, and I didn't like the hangovers, and I wanted to be on my game and feel good and feel alive again. Um, and yeah, I just turned all of that around. I decided to just own it and knock it on the head and do the best that I could for the sake of my mental health. Mm. And that's what I did. I just just stopped. And the catalyst was stopping drinking. That's what I wanted to do. But I went plant-based with that. And that that happened almost by accident because I was working with a girl who um, on a show called Hormonal Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> a great title. And um, I was dipping in and out doing these veggie weeks. Um, and I just knew it was making me feel better when I did that. And then she educated me a little bit and I had to watch some documentaries. And then I thought, oh, I'll do the, the two-week plant-based challenge to see how it makes me feel. And I felt really good. So after those two weeks, I thought, oh, I'll do four weeks. And then I felt even better. And I just felt my makeup, my, it suited me being plant-based. Mm. And it made my energy levels really go up. And and so I continued with that. And then I quit the drinking and then I took up running. And then I was like, oh God, I'm feeling really good. And the drinking, I just thought I'll do this one year no beer. I'll do it for a year and see how I feel. And um, now it's been 15 months <laughs> and I just want to continue because I feel really good off it. So and have you, uh, have you, has your family had to adopt uh, your plant, your plant-based? <laughs> you know they didn't have to but they don't cook so they have to yeah. <laughs> if they cooked if they literally decided you know what I'm going to make a meal then they could uh, feed themselves whatever they like but they don't so uh, no I, I I'd say a good 80% they are yeah but I do for example on a Sunday if there is a request in for me we'll put on a chicken and yeah. I'll put that or I'll make different things and add that um with them but you know I do I do joke with them and say well listen if you cook you can have whatever you want but you know you don't so you'll, you'll have what you're given so yeah um but I, I think we're all a little bit my, more mindful now about mm. how we look after ourselves I think there's so much more information as well out there I think there's too much information but there yeah. is um there's so many different ways of we and research as well if we know what what works better for us um but yeah and, and I, I always like really admired you for your yoga and I never realized the power of yoga until mm. recently and now I just love it <laughs> so thank you for just putting it out there all the time just thinking yeah I really need to do that mm. but I didn't really I think I always thought being a dancer I would always be supple but yes know, you're not no no you have to work hard at it yeah if you don't use it you lose it and yeah you know the thing is it would be lovely if if you had a sort of a dancing background to be able to you know dance every day or do a class but in normal life you can't yeah. do that and like with you with a job and with children yeah. um you know although I, I know Corey's wouldn't like me to call him a child anymore as a young man <laughs> no I can't believe that's happened he's going to college this September I can't believe it 
Oh, so exciting. But what, I, what I'm loving, Suzanne, um, is that um, in changing your life like this, you haven't just kind of just gone, for, as I know, you go for everything 100%, <laughs> but you're sharing it with everybody on Instagram. And, you know, I was watching one of your runs on in Instagram yesterday. To, you want to share it and get everybody else, you know, in that same frame of mind. And, you know, it's really infectious. And, you, you know, you're doing quite a few appearances now on different TV shows because they're all wanting to know everybody dreams of doing what you've done you know but very people they might start it but they don't keep it up yeah so you know well done <laughs> thank you I um I remember just dreaming this person that I wanted to be for so long like dreaming this person up I wanted to be really active to not drink to to feel really good um and energized and that it's, it's funny because, you know, people go, well, you must have a strong willpower, but it took me three years of falling off the wagon and not getting there, probably longer than that, really. Mm -hmm. So, but I never documented keeping falling off the wagon and then trying again and coming off. You know, I just documented bits and pieces when I was wanting to get fit or a detox or feeling good. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to, I wanted to document it because I do know how, for me, I was looking for people to inspire me, to give me that motivation. But I also wanted to be so honest about it, to be open about how it's helped me. You know, I watch documentaries now to inspire me and to get me out there. So I do think, you know, every now and again, if I'm putting a story up, I know that maybe one person will go, and I do get DMs of people saying to me, you've made me get my trainers on and go for a run, thank you. So if I can do that and help people inspire and go, it is possible. You know, mm. I did have years of not, getting there and, and sticking to something I did it for so long of of almost failing but the failing has made me achieve yeah. and made me made me stick to it now so no I, I do love sharing that and I think it's probably just part of my my background my life has been documented on tv from being 19 years old so it's like <laughs> it's, it's normal it's, it's normal to me. In fact, my dad was a cameraman. My life from being a kid was documented. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, everything was filmed. So it's all I know. It's all I know how to do is tell my story. Well, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm just so thrilled for you. And you look absolutely amazing. Um, and oh, to have skin as clear and beautiful oh. as yours. <laughs> it wow. does look gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you very so, much. But you're yeah. as gorgeous as ever. Yeah as well thank you but um you know for everybody listening it you know it is inspiring hearing that you know you it didn't just happen you had three years of having to go and then not having to go and then not and then suddenly you know and maybe lockdown because all of us have more time um yeah. let's get and now it will knowing you it will give you the energy to instead of having eight projects on the go you'll be having 12. <laughs> No, I'm, act I'm actually trying to be sensible and not have eight little projects just one that works would be yeah. really good <laughs> focus but, on um, that definitely and I think you know it's 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 something that I'm a I'm a little bit nervous of coming out of lockdown because I know it works for me in lockdown but will it work for me out of lockdown yeah. I'm yet to see that so I'll keep documenting it and let you know because I might fall off the wagon come 21st of June when everyone's out partying. <laughs> and do you, for anyone listening, do you have a kind of a set time every day that you go running or you do yoga? Do you, you know, or is it just wherever you, it fits in? 
wherever it fits in really yeah, yeah I um I've tried to do set times but I have to work that that actually overwhelms me when I do that because I feel like I'm failing if I don't yeah absolutely. So I can't, yeah I can't restrict myself I just mm. for me it's about saying what I'm doing not putting a time limit on what I do and, and I, I what I've found in lockdown um because it's so easy not to do it and then once you don't do it for a couple of days it's so much harder isn't it so I say don't let myself go more than two days yeah without doing a walk or doing yoga that's such a good thing so there we go on that yeah. note <laughs> I will say thank you for spilling the tea with me send my love to Sam and all the family and you know I can't wait till we could get together I know I can't wait to send my love to everybody Spill the tea with Debbie McGee. You know you want to. I hope you enjoyed me spilling the tea with Suzanne Shaw. Isn't she lovely? I told you she was natural. Just uh, a natural at everything, Suzanne. And uh, coming up in my next podcast, my guest is going to be Mark Curry. Now, if you listen to Bonnie Langford's uh, podcast about three back... Bonnie and Mark Curry worked together when they were kids. So find out all listening to Mark with me on Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the Tea podcast with Debbie McGee.